Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast, vegan edition. I have the pleasure to be sitting with David Bayless. He is a musician and a vegan athlete. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, man. Uh, the, the pleasure is all mine. I'm a bit jealous of the pictures that you take from the, the New York skyline. They're yeah. Some good-looking stuff down there, man. It's an epic place to uh, be in general and definitely to run every day in the city. It's an awesome, inspiring place. Is it motivation to run away from people or is it really that there's a lot of places to run? Well, you know, I will say that I'm an early morning runner. Okay. So I know like, I don't have to like dodge crowds. Um, it's actually a pretty peaceful time for for like the most part you know most of anyone i see is exercising you know what i mean and it's pretty chill and i mostly stay by the rivers and on bridges and stuff i'm like not like running through midtown manhattan like that would drive me crazy like red lights and all that so um and cycling for the most part too yeah i try to stay on the on the rivers the bridges and it's pretty chill not too much people dodging that's true because you're a triathlon so You're yeah. one of those, sorry for my, what I'm going to say, but you're one of those crazy people that, uh, yeah, that thing that running 40 kilometers, swimming, what, five kilometers is it? Oh, you guys do miles. You're American. So what is it like 20 miles, 25 miles? You swim two miles and you do like 80 miles of cycling or something crazy like that. Yeah, you're close. It depends on the race. There's all kinds of stuff out there, but yeah, it is. So, yeah, you have to practice all the disciplines, which is tricky in New York. Um, most of all, um, you know, the pools is a thing in New York. That's kind of annoying having to swim in the pools. But the cycling, you really have to uh, be careful. In New so, York how is, so how many kilometers? Because I'm thinking kilometers, you're thinking mile, but what is it in miles? Well, like the race I did in June um, is a half Ironman. And that I've done that one a bunch of times. And that one is... 56 miles on the bike uh well it's like a mile 1.2 miles uh swim 56 on the bike and um half marathon on the run which i know is 21k i know that much and i think it's close to 100k on the bike close yeah. but not quite oh you're just under it's going to be quick math is like 96 because 60 yeah. miles is 100 kilometers so yeah exactly. looking at, who argues about the last two kilometers right do that yeah why, so why that. is the question why do you do that well that's a good question um i love challenges i love challenges i think it's really important um for myself in life to put myself in situations that are hard and um trying to take it to the next level you know I, i'm a pretty disciplined person and i like to try to put that discipline um into action You know what I mean? Whether it's through my music and practicing as a kid and um, and also through my athletic pursuits and running and cycling, especially, you know, um, I just like to challenge myself and set goals and try to accomplish them. And, and the triathlon, I felt like was something that was sort of before I had done it was seeming like, oh, can I do this? And I sort of love that feeling of like, can I do this? And then the feeling of being like, hell, yeah, I can do it. You know what I mean? Let's make this happen. <laughs> so where did you get the idea from? You saw somebody else do it and you're like, yeah, that sounds like something I want to do. 
Yeah, you know, I think I was talking to just like a buddy who had, who had done not he wasn't even that serious about it. He had done maybe um, like a shorter, like a sprint triathlon or an Olympic triathlon, which I like those distances, too. Um, and it just kind of got in my head. I, you know, I've been on the fitness tip for a while and thinking, oh, yeah, maybe I should try that. And that just start, sort of started me on that whole path. Did you yeah. ever do it as an because uh, how long have you been vegan? You know, I've been vegan for quite a while now. Um, I think I'm, I'm getting close to 10 years, probably maybe eight years I've been vegan. I was vegetarian for a little while before that. And then, um, but yeah, I've been, it's been a while now that I've been vegan. And Did you I compete as a non-vegan? Did you try no. that? So no, I was definitely, um, I was definitely running a lot and I've been like crazy about working out and stuff like that for years. And I did find that when I went vegan, I was, my energy levels went up and also like, it's kind of unique the way I train because everything's gotten a little off with COVID. But prior to that, I've been a touring musician for like years, decade, pretty much on the road, you know, 130 shows a year consistently. And um, some years more, some years a little less, but definitely like just hitting it hard. And so I'm doing my training while we're playing shows, you know, at night while we're on tour, which is a pretty unique way to train. So it was very quick as I started to eat cleaner, um, become vegan. It was pretty clear to me in my body. I'm like, I'm functioning at a higher level. I've got more energy. I'm less tired. Um, cause I'm, you're already in sort of a high pressure, unusual situation touring anyways, which is sort of an exhausting lifestyle. You know what I mean? And like, I'm always a pretty high, I'm mellow. I'm a mellow dude, but I'm a high energy in terms of like, Like I can wake up, you know, and just pound out like 15 miles in the morning while everyone and be back well before anyone's even up and have their coffee yet, like consistently on tour, like every morning that happens, you know what I mean? Um, that's a gift or that's, yeah. a, that's a mental gift because not most people don't have that. It's true. And it's also like, it's a gift, but it's also a, um, like any skill or, or something, it's something you have to hone in on and develop and, and get it to be part of your life and commit. Um, you know, I think things that are gifts are also, you know, disciplines that we work on and they become part of our, our daily rhythm and our life rhythm, you know what I mean? And through that, it becomes something that you're strong at, but you know, you have to put in that work to make it part of your life, you know, and then it, then it sort of flows. Too many people think a gift will give you at the like the end result. It's a start. That's all it is. That is because after a point, everybody that competes is gifted in some way. That's why they're good. But right. it's you know who has the discipline, who has the will, who won't quit, right? Yeah. And I feel like just being um trying to be more healthy and touring, like everything sort of feeds into itself. Like as you start to eat cleaner and exercise better and drink less. Like all these things start to just sort of all push you in a direction like that really just makes sense. I had, you know, I used to party hard on tour. I definitely had my days of being like that type of musician. And trust me, I had many crazy nights and I was doing that lifestyle. Um, but, you know, there were some monumental times like where I like, I just went overboard and then you wake up the next morning And you're like, what did I do to myself? I mean, I think a lot of people in it, you know, you don't have to be a musician to have that feeling um, to be like, what did I do to myself last night? And like, whatever 
I did last night. I want to avoid ever having that feeling again. You know what I mean? Like, and keep reminding myself like, oh, when I work out, when I eat clean, when I try to get as much sleep as possible, I wake up and I'm buzzing in the morning. I'm not like, oh, I don't want to open my eyes right now. I, I, like, I never want to have that feeling. So pretty much everything I do in my life for the most part tries to drive me to having that feeling of, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're ready to go. That's clever. Do you, do you realize what you're doing to yourself? <laughs> in what sense there's uh i'm a big fan of psychology i read quite a bit okay. and okay. there's a print have you ever heard of nlp neural linguistic no. programming uh what's the name of the life coach uh, there's a massive life coach the guy's like six foot four 240 pounds he's a massive massive dude he's been doing it since the 90s i just oh, his yeah. name just escapes me right now but there's a there's a principle called anchoring okay you can use to reprogram or to program yourself or other people that need help. And what you're doing is exactly that. You're basically associating a feeling, an emotion with an action so that every single time. So the trick is to find something the person wants to do something that they a feeling that they love and attaching both together so that it, yeah. it gets anchored in your mind and without even knowing as soon as you think about it you feel good so you want to do it it's very yeah. very you, you might not realize that's extremely clever what you're doing very very smart <laughs> yeah i guess so but yeah that's true it's that, it's that aspiration and then like realizing that feeling and then just aspiring to continue to go on that path to whatever it's going to take you to that feeling you know what i mean as uh i know that as a vegan uh competitive especially long distance competitors they seem to have an advantage because i know yeah. that uh, game changer talks about it pretty well in that documentary yeah But scott jerick i don't know if you know scott jerick no no he's a huge inspiration he's like one of the what did you say his name was scott uh yep. the last name is j-u-r-e-k jerick okay okay yep. yeah um he's was he dominated ultra running and I'm not an ultra oh, runner, but yeah, okay. he I think absolutely I know dominated about. for years the ultra like he won western states which is one of the most elite ultra running races in the world like I don't know five out of six years and he was you know he grew up um you know on like dairy and meat like everybody else yeah. and um he found his way to that diet and you know he's proof right there like he's just crushing it he's older now he's I don't know if he's actually racing anymore, but for many years he's dominating. And I think it's a great example. And Game Changers has really brought it to light. Um, but there's been these guys that have been on my radar for years of like, wow, they're really dominating or at least excelling in sports on a professional level um, as vegans, as you know, those are beacons of light for me. You're starting to see it. There's not that many yet because yeah. it still takes a long time to get to the top, right? To get to be the best at what you do, it takes a long time, but you're starting to see it. Because I think if if Scott Jurek is part of Game Changer, is he the guy that's running? I don't running? know. I don't Cause, know. Because I've seen quite a few videos of a bald-headed guy that is renowned. Like he's a vegan and he was the best for years. So I don't know if we're talking about the same guy. I'll have to, uh, I'll Sounds check like him out once we're done. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that documentary was... Uh, very very well made like i like the approach that he i'm a i'm a fighter at a heart i love martial arts so to see a an ex-ufc fighter do that type of work 
Yeah. It's very, very inspiring. I, I hope I get to speak to this guy one day. James. Yeah. Yeah. He I crushed it, man. He crushed it because you know what? Not only did he have the backing of like fellow athletes, but he did the research. Mm -hmm. You know, he really made a point to have irrefutable facts and science. And that's why I have so much respect for that because it's, you know, in this world of everybody's got their own uh, echo chambers and everyone's got, oh, you can just put something on the internet and then it's truth. You know, it's really hard to sift through for anyone to figure out like what is healthy, what's true, what's not, you know, you can have two completely opposing opinions and they're like, this is fact, you know, and it's really hard to wade through that and try to figure out the truth. But I think he really did his due diligence and like had those facts supported and double checked and triple checked, which makes it just so much stronger as an experience of watching it. And I think, you know, hopefully has so much more impact because he did that work. Uh, I think he did it the right way because uh, like we were saying earlier, you said I was vegetarian for a very long time before uh -huh. I was vegan. Like it's been 10 or 12 years since I've ate meat. And back 10, 12 years ago, the only documentaries you would see is like earthlings where yeah, they yeah. bring you into that. After I saw that, I'm like, uh -uh, nope, not eating that anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know that it works for most people. Like right. showing brutal to this day, my feed, I see those videos and I don't even, I don't watch those videos. It's anymore. So hard I, know what, I know what goes on there. There's a reason why I'm vegan. It's because of animals. It's not for my health. Yeah. He did it the right way in a way that I'm a strong believer that you, if you show the good side of things, instead of showing people the bad stuff, instead of making shaming people into doing something, showing them that they can become better by doing something else like he did in the documentary because he literally crushed his home time when he was competing in the UFC, the biggest martial art organization in the world. He won the ultimate fighter and he was at the peak of his, uh, of his competition, so, hurt himself, became vegan and crushed his own time when he wasn't yeah. even training for fights. So imagine if that guy would have been fighting as a vegan. Yeah. You know, I think just to, just to talk, I mean, you just said something that's so deep, I feel like, and it, it, could, it can get lost on people, but like, the, you know, it's so powerful if you want to affect positive change in this world, like shaming people is not the way to do it. And it's so easy to just go that route, you know, and like, you know, just with like trolling on the internet and all this stuff, like there's so much shaming going on. And I don't really think it's doing a great job of changing people's minds. In general, I think it's making it worse, to be honest. Yeah. I think that often it makes it worse because when you think about it, when's the last time you had somebody screaming at you and you learned you wanted to listen to them and learn from them? Yeah, you put up your defenses in that yeah. situation. You know, you don't it's open just, up, you close down. Yeah, yeah. It's just human behavior. How many of my friends that are not vegan are incorporating so much vegan food in their diet? because yeah. they see me like I'm, I'm two, I'm six, one, 200 pounds. And if you put me at the gym with another guy, that's 200 pounds, we look the same. I'm a, I'm a bigger guy and I've been training forever. I don't look like I'm a vegan. So when people yeah. start seeing me eat, they're like, wow, you eat some, vet. there's no meat. There's no this, there's no that. Yeah. They start realizing that you don't need it. Yeah. 
And I don't yeah. even need to say anything. They just look at me eat and they're like, oh, okay. And I'm yeah. 40 years old, man. I'm, and I still, I still train. I can still train with 20 years old and I'm still having fun. It's yeah. still fun. I don't feel like I'm getting destroyed at all. I'm having fun. Yeah, I hope that game changers, you know, and just like, just the power of example, like you're saying, can have a, a positive impact. I don't know if you, if you heard um, on Joe Rogan, you, I'm a big did fan. You, <laughs> did you hear James on Joe Rogan? No, I didn't see the show. I should I should watch it. Oh watch my it. god, man. It's amazing. So there's this other guy. I don't want to speak disparagingly about this other guy, but Joe Rogan, you know, I think we might if you listen to Joe Rogan, I'm a fan too. Like I love podcasts. Joe Rogan, I think, has some really good things, but I his whole stance on veganism frustrates me to say the least. Yeah. So he has a guy on that's like debunking game changers. Right. Yeah. And this guy just like destroys game changers. And every, I think there's a lot of pushback, like, Whoa, like how can you have this guy on without having an opposing voice? So then Joe Rogan's like, okay. And he had a follow-up ex- episode with James and this guy and James just destroyed this guy and like it was really funny because i was in the tour i was in the tour van when i was listening and i was like yeah yeah i was like screaming and like everyone thought i was like watching like a basketball game or something they were like who are you watching and i was like oh my god i'm just listening to a podcast it's amazing you have to check out that episode because by the end the dude who was quote unquote debunking game changers was just like he was just like quiet he basically was to have nothing to say and James was just like everything that that guy had attempted to debunk game changers. James came back was like, Nope, that's not true. Here's the facts. Nope. Here's the fact. He came so prepared. It was so awesome <laughs> to check out that episode. A do- most people don't realize that a documentary like he did probably took him two years to make oh, like more. people that make them and it takes more. forever. How do you expect him not to know his subject after two years of baiting in it yeah and that that doesn't count the pre-work that he's done when he said he was injured i think he injured his back or he broke his back and he's basically down for six months only researching diet options so that's prior to the documentary so imagine the amount of time that he's playing and you got somebody that just comes in try to destroy him not gonna yeah nope he was ready Oh, I'm going to have to like watch a UFC that. fight, man. He treated it like he was ready to battle, man. He came prepared. The fighter's mindset is a beautiful thing. And you don't need to be a fighter to, to have the fighter mindset, but not backing down, especially when you, you know that you're right. And I think he's, he strikes me as a very polite individual. He doesn't yeah. strike me as somebody that's going to insult you. He's going to raise his voice. He's going to be very polite, but you'll you'll end up being wrong because he knows so much about his subject no i agree i think he was really respectful in his in the way he delivered it but he was also you know he knew that someone had really gone after him and he was ready to stand up for himself you know but that's good because uh, totally. you know the the biggest comp- the, the the people that laugh about the way i eat the most are always out of shape individual i find it i find it hilarious you get people asking me where I get my protein. They're 60, 70 pounds overweight. They eat garbage all the time. And I'm the one that's weird. I love it. I it. It's true. How do you, uh, how do you make your, your music, your musician life? Because you're saying like 130 shows a year. That's absolutely crazy. How do, do both work? How does the, 
the you make the vegan portion because I would imagine that the, the people in your band are not vegan unless you're a vegan band that I don't know. No, not a vegan band. Definitely. I have, I do in general have the, uh, the inf I influence people around me often to eat more healthy, sometimes begrudgingly, but like just naturally it kind of, I push things in that direction. And luckily the band that I toured with for years, for the most part was, you know, most of the bands and the artists that I toured with were, were pretty healthy, but you know, for real, it is, it takes preparation. That's yeah. the main word is preparation, you know, just making sure that whether you have like your little food bag that you're traveling with and you're just going to be good. Even if you're in some food desert town, you've gotten prepared and you, you know, whenever you were in a city, you went to a whole foods or a good co-op and, and have what you need. Um, I I'm here to say it's hundred percent possible to eat healthy and um, eat vegan and healthy on the road. It's totally possible. It just takes preparation and learning how to do it. And you do it for years and then it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's all good. And also in today's day and age, I mean, it's not like it was 30 years ago. I mean, there's, be surprised at how many vegan friendly or like co-ops and, and even grocery stores there is everywhere that are carrying, you know, vegan products. And then of course, you know, at the end of the day, you know, beans and rice. You can eat simple as a vegan and, and it doesn't have to be this crazy elaborate thing, you know, you know, is a vegan, you know, it, it, for the most part, I eat pretty simple. You know what I mean? It's pretty simple. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. I'm not eating fancy beyond burgers or like, you know, all kinds of whatever, uh, fake meat products and this and that. It's like, it, for the most part, I'm eating whole food, plant-based diet. That's fairly simple. And, and you can make it happen no matter where you are. Beans, rice, cilantro, lime, yeah. salt, pepper, and a bit of cayenne. Yeah. How many days have I ate that in my life? It's, exactly. To this day, still, 12 years after, still one of my favorite foods to eat. There you go. It's, um, it, it, does it, I don't know in the US, but I know in Canada, uh, like Satan, for example, is everywhere now. I used yeah. to make my own for years. And now it is everywhere. I haven't made any in more than a year or two because there's a small company near where I live that supplies the, my whole province with it. And it's like yeah. seven ingredients, no, uh, nothing, no conservative agents. It's like seven, ing seven ingredients. You get a piece about for two meals that costs you seven bucks Canadian. So probably like five bucks American. Is it that yeah. easy to find on your side of the border too? Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's amazing how readily available and it's almost like ubiquitous now, you know, like mm. vegan stuff in places I never would have imagined they're offering vegan options at restaurants and then, you know, Whole Foods and, and grocery stores, they're all carrying, you know, multiple brands of all this stuff. <laughs> it's, it's a good time. Good time to be alive as a vegan. <laughs> It's a good time to be alive. That's true. It has times have changed from eating salads all the time in restaurants to be able to eat regular meals. If I yes. can call it regular meals, yeah, yeah like like salad with cheese on it. Like why, why do you do this? Like <laughs> there's a lot of those. Th there's a lot of those products eh, that don't uh, advertise themselves as being vegan. Oh yeah, but yet they are vegan. So you need to read the ingredients. But yet you look at another another one that has powdered milk. Why is powdered milk everywhere? I don't get it. 
Yeah, they sneak dairy into so many things. It's it's crazy. It's the only thing. Like so many products, the only thing that doesn't make it vegan is that powdered milk. Why powdered milk? It does not need to be in there. I don't know. I wish I could answer that. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm rambling. It bought it. <laughs> so many good products that you could eat, but yet there's just an ingredient that makes absolutely no sense to be in there in the first place. <laughs> just, I guess it's easy. So they leave it that way because it's been like that for years. So why it's change just, something that works, right? It's true. It's true. I, uh, I was watching some of your videos and as somebody that just started playing the guitar about four months ago, I'm very jealous of your skills. Like I, I, I was seeing you um, hitting the chord on the frets like you were actually playing and you yeah. were super, your two hands are super close and you're playing both hands together i'm quite jealous also not jealous envious i hope one day i get that good because you've been playing for a while right i mean most of my life yeah <laughs> most of my life yeah since i was a kid i was the kid who was the musician since i was a young kid i've been like on that trip i was in a band when i was whatever, in fifth grade, performing in front of the whole school. I've kind of just never diverged off that path of, and guitar. Um, you know, I probably was by fifth grade, I think I was, so that would be, I don't know, 10 or 11. I was into guitar. And by the time I was 12, I was obsessed, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, but that's not to deter you to continue uh -huh. practicing, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's a journey and everyone's at different places, you know, there's always ups and downs, but you know, it's such a ground and beautiful thing in my life. Like I live to practice. Like if I don't get to play and practice and, and make music every day, like my soul's not totally fully at the end of the day. Like I love it. It's, it's beyond um, even just like a career or touring and shows. It's just like, I love to just sit down and, and connect with my instrument. It's, it's a critical thing for me every day. It is the reason why I do it is the reason why I started is just because of the uh, the the connection also that I think that because so many all the music that we it's so easy to listen to music now because it's available it, like for the past 40 50 years it's been available on records on cassette on dvds on cds and now on the internet everywhere it's like people are ashamed to play music if they're not perfect yet what is more what brings people more together than a guy sitting there with a guitar? There's another dude that's playing something else. There's a girl that starts singing. Who cares that they're not the best? Just the energy that the music brings, the people that brings to the music and the music brings to other is just something that we seem to have forgotten as human beings that we don't need to be perfect. You just need to be enjoying what you're doing. Totally. And, and, and not to say that music isn't, a skill that's developed but like good is such a subjective word anyways like what is good what does that even mean what does it even matter can the whole thing is can you evoke feeling out of your instrument you know i don't care someone might never played that instrument but if they have it in them and they can just pick it up and you can feel that like that's good right they might not have practiced every day for 20 years but it might be just as powerful or more than the guy who's like, you know, so that, that the word good or the best, like those type of ideas to me in music sometimes can just be a little silly. Yeah, but yeah, it is, but it's pressure that we put on ourselves for some reason. No, I agree. 
I agree. Well, I, and I do too. We're all, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a balance. It's always yeah. tough to find a balance, right? But see me watching you, I said envious because I don't know of a better word. Envious is still a bad term, but I'm, if I watch your videos, it doesn't make me feel any less good at what I do. On the contrary, it shows me what's possible. Like to right. me watching you play, I'm like, oh man, I hope I get that good one day because it's beautiful to watch you play, right? It's not something that it's going to discourage me because people are better than me. You've been playing your whole life. I've been playing for four months. I hope you're better than me. I hope you're a lot better than me. And I feel the same way about other musicians. Like I think, you know, we're all on this continuum. Like I see other guys and it's like, it's just like, wow, you know, it's so beautiful. And like, I love that feeling of inspiration and, and of seeing guys that I, you know, can draw from artistically. And I try to take what I can from them and, and make it into my own thing. And it, it's totally the same. I think it's the same vibe. It certainly doesn't, when I hear a great player, it doesn't make me not want to play. It's the opposite. You know yeah. what I mean? How did, uh, what's your uh, creative, uh, your creative process? Because if you're an early riser, that means you need to be creating during the day, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have a pretty locked-in daily schedule. I've got two kids, um, <laughs> age three and six. Um, so my I wake up before everyone in the family, usually like 5.30 in the morning or something like that, and I get my run-in, um, whatever's on my schedule for that day. And then I get back, and then I transport the kids usually to school, or right now it's camp, right? And um, once I drop them off at nine, typically, um, this is like when I'm in town, uh, which is much more likely these days with COVID with no touring. And then I have this whole period then. So yeah, my, my creative work period is yeah typically in that kind of 10 to 3 p.m. time. And I've got that chunk to just sit down and create and um, work on what I'm working on. So you do that as a full-time job. Your full-time job is a musician. Yeah. Yeah, always has been. Yeah, really, it's always been your job. You've never had any other jobs. No, 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 no. I mean, when I was like a kid, young kid, you know, I did jobs as a teenager yeah. and stuff like that, right? But um, yes, since my, you know, since I was twenty or younger, yeah, I've been playing full time. Yeah. So you're living the teenage dream of be of being a full time musician. Wow, yeah you yeah man making albums playing shows and um yeah living that life that's what it is yeah so you play the guitar mostly do you play anything else bass i play guitar and bass um Which one do you like best guitar is really where my heart is but uh -huh. um i've played bass i've toured um in bands on bass for many many years and uh I actually recently got this crazy instrument, which I think I have some videos up on my Instagram page where I'm playing three bass strings and three guitar strings. I'm literally playing bass and guitar at the same time, which is like a new skill that I'm, I'm working on and trying to get going. I've started to play some shows in New York on this instrument, which is called a hybrid guitar. And I call mine the big six because it's six strings, three bass strings, three guitar strings, but the three strings, uh, the three lower strings that are actually technically higher on the guitar, nice. but lower in pitch are an octave down, they're actual bass strings. It's a beautiful instrument. It's kind of a custom made type thing. And um, I actually played on Friday in New York with one of my bands, Walk Talk, and uh, playing that instrument. So we don't have a bass player anymore. I'm playing the bass and the guitar at the same time. 
um, which is a really amazing new challenge. And it's a whole new thing that I've started to work on and incorporate into my, um, my whole thing as a musician. It's a big challenge. Um, but I love four strings on the bass, right? Sorry for cutting you off. There's four strings on the bass normally. There's typically four, right? Four on bass, three on uh, six on guitar. And this instrument has three and three. So you cut off the highest string on the, the bass and you cut off the lowest three strings on the guitar. Also, you get this three lower one of the guitars and the three higher. No, sorry, the three three lower on the guitar, but the three highest in pitch, like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. From the exactly. guitar, and then you have the three lowest sounded yeah. sounding bass. I uh, see those are my favorite. The the three lower on the guitar are my favorite by far. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, hear I like you. that sound. So that's why I wonder sometimes if I shouldn't pick up a bass too to try it. Because I really yeah. like the wom, 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 wom. like I don't know how else to describe it, but I like the very, very wavy sound that it has. Yeah, bass is a whole different. It's it looks like a guitar, but it's a totally different mentality. I find that guitar players and bass players are it's just a totally different way of thinking. It's a way of totally different way of being, um, and that's why it's actually not that often for guys to go back and forth because it's really completely different. Even though te- technically. It's not that different, you know, um, but mental is a mentality. It's a totally different approach. I always play with my fingers. I don't play with a guitar pick. Do you? Yeah. No, I, I have a crackhead, uh, crackhead nail, like oh, my, my thumbnail. Um, my girlfriend oh. hates it. She absolutely hates it. Cause all the rest I'm a martial, I'm a martial artist. So my, my nails are always extremely, extremely short. But I have, I do have a very long one that I pick myself with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, that's a critical aspect of my style as a guitar player and my sound is that I play with the fingers and it's, I used to play with a pick when I was younger and I dropped the pick maybe four years ago, five years ago. And for me, it's so much better to just have that direct contact with Mm -hmm. the instrument and not have a piece of plastic in between me and the instrument. You know, the, having my fingers on the guitar is and really, I, I just feel there's so much more depth of control for me in terms of the sound and the tone and what I can do. Um, so that was that's something that I recommend as much as possible to people who are, who are starting on their guitar journeys is to at least experiment and really try to feel that with their fingers and not only play with the guitar pick. There is a synergy that you need to have with your guitar and it feels uh, more natural, at least to me, to feel the cord between my fingers, like to, to just being able to touch the cord every time, not being separated, like you're saying, from a piece of plastic to the guitar. Yeah, yeah. But it, do, it sounds richer, like it doesn't sound as loud, but the sound is richer too. It might just be me, maybe I'm just biased, but. No, I believe that. I think the thumb, the, the sound of a thumb is just, you can't beat the sound of a thumb on a guitar. And you know what I realized is suddenly so many of my guitar heroes, I realized actually didn't play with the pick a lot too. And it's kind of sneaky because when you're coming up, you just think, oh, everybody plays with the pick. But then when you start to check stuff out and so many great players actually don't play with the guitar pick too. Um, and that you might not know, but then you realize, oh, wow, that guy didn't. And you can see why. The thumb is just king in terms of tone on a guitar. One of my, uh, one of my friends, it's a bit of because of him that I started playing and it looks like he plays with a pick because he actually holds his finger like that. He does. He, he doesn't just play with it. He actually holds his own finger. Yeah, like as it was a pick. 
Yeah. Oh, so you do that too? I don't do that, but I know, I think I, you know, sometimes I might do like, something like that. Like he just folds it, but it's yeah. literally from afar. It looks like he's playing with a pick just because he's, it seems like he's holding something, but he's not, he's just playing with old nails. Yeah. You everyone develops know. their own style. That's another super cool thing about guitar is that everyone just develops their own, or, or music in general, is the, the path of developing your own style and your own sound. That's really the whole journey. What do you think of the, um, I, I'm a taller guy. I have a super nice guitar. Like I, I spent quite a bit of money on it because I wanted to buy something that can last me forever. Do, do you, have, you've seen the stands that you can put on the guitar. It rests on your leg. Stand and it rests on your leg. Have you never seen that? Well, I, what, is the stand on the ground or is the stand? No, 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 no. The stand snaps on the guitar. And then there's another part that you can put on, on your, your leg. leg. Yeah. So that it keeps the guitar elevated. Because as a as a taller guy, I have a I have a I tend to like to kind of oh. cuddle the guitar. So I end up with back pain all the time. Like ah. I, I realize that I'm all crooked, but mm -hmm. you've never seen those? Never seen what I'm talking I've about. Seen I've seen them. I think I, oh. I think I know what you're talking about. Never done that on the podcast before, but yeah. Oh, okay. This. Yeah, I've It's seen literally, it. I'm familiar with it. See, so you're oh, just cool. it holds there, but it stays at an angle, so that nice. movies like me don't see how I I can just be here. Yeah, and I'm not because this is resting on my yeah. left leg, right? Yeah. So I play electric guitar mostly, and I play with a strap. And a strap oh, yeah, 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 would yeah. achieve that same thing where you don't, you're not really resting. You can kind of sit up. So even when you're sitting down, you have the strap on. The stra totally. Sorry, that did not stop. Totally. <laughs> when you're yeah. sitting down, you have the strap on. I'm sorry. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the strap is connected to my guitar when I'm sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the french language for you i did not this is definitely going to be the blooper for the show i think <laughs> having to, do you wear your strap on when you're sitting down but the that's answer was yes you do have your you do have the strap while you're totally. sitting down too totally i always always wear the strap yeah just for what you're saying because like yeah. costume, i'd be like You know, you can just be comfortable in the strap. It, you can manipulate the guitar to be at the right angle that you want or whatever. Yeah. Yes, I mostly play down. I live in the middle of the woods. I live alone with my dogs. Where do you live, man? Uh, do you know Canada a bit? Like West? Are you talking West Coast, East Coast? No, no, no. no. I'm uh, closer to Montreal. So I'm, on the, I'm on the East Coast. Oh, nice. I've played the Jazz Fest in Montreal. Oh, yeah. It's it's massive. Eh? It's a big, it. big, big, big. It's massive in Montreal. Yeah. We have it's a lot great. of uh, we have a lot of uh, great events in the province of Quebec, like Montreal. You have another one in Quebec City where I think four years ago I was there. There was a crowd of 120, 130,000 people. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the... Uh, I don't know why I'm admitting that on on uh, on the podcast, but I had uh, seen the Backstreet Boys with my girlfriend back then, and talking about one of the biggest groups on the planet. And at one point, they just stopped in the middle of the show. They stopped. They're like, "Okay, guys, 
we have to take pictures of this. This is crazy. We've never seen anything like it. Wow, that's cool. It, it seems like you could see a kilometer of people because it's yeah. not that wide. It's just super long. Wow. Yeah, you would love that. We, we, would you like to play oh, in yeah. front of 100,000 people? Have you played in front oh, yeah. of, I assume you didn't, but maybe I'm wrong. Not a hundred thousand. That's a massive crowd. I've definitely gotten, you know, some of my biggest shows have been, I think, 30,000, over 20, 30,000 people, which just feels massive. You know, um, it's an amazing feeling. And it's, you know, it's great. Um, my show in Montreal, it was pretty big, but I can't remember. That was probably more like five to 10,000. It was outdoor. It was super oh, cool. Well. Plus you're on the island. There's just like your the jazz festival normally is right downtown, so it's yeah. not like you have that much space. Yeah, you're, you're not gonna crowd thirty thousand people in the street there. There's no way that's gonna work out. Yeah, right, right, right. What was your favorite place to play? If uh, if you can choose one, like in terms of a venue, or doesn't matter. Like- doesn't matter that it's crowd. Which one? What's the what's the, if you think about your favorite moment of playing? When was it? Yeah, well, I played Red Rocks Amphitheater. Have you ever heard of that? It's in Colorado. No. It's one of the most iconic venues in the world. It's it's amazing. It's this incredible venue that's built into this kind of Red Rock Canyon. It's really epic. Um, And it's beautiful. And the sound there is incredible. It's like this built-in amphitheater to this rocks. And it's Colorado. It's incredible. It's So I'd say that was, you know, one of my favorites. But I also love like the Fillmore in San Francisco, like just some of the rooms you play sometimes and you're like, wow, just all the history that went down on this stage, you know, and that's a cool feeling too, even though it's not gorgeous or it's not the, you know, most amazing amphitheater or something like that, but just the history. I love playing rooms like that as well. You're a lucky man. Sorry. No, I don't want to say you're lucky. You're uh good for you for finding what makes you happy because you look like a happy guy no man it's luck is you know like of course we say we make our own luck but i think it's it's almost uh you know ignorant to say that luck isn't a part of you know like where i'm at or where we're at even you know on this conversation talking through our devices and, and everything and being healthy people man you know like shit can go haywire in this world. So I don't think it's an insult to say I'm lucky. I think that, you know, a lot of various things in my life I've worked hard for, and I think I've put myself in a position and I've, I've taken risks, you know, that have given me an opportunity. And, but I, I don't discount that luck is a part of success in my world. And I think anyone, I, 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 I'm not afraid to say that anyone who's massively successful or successful on, on any level, luck is certainly going to be a part of it, you know? For sure. I, I'm just to a point that I don't I don't believe in coincidences. I've said this multiple times, but there's you know, Einstein always said that there's two types of people. There's people that don't believe in miracles and there are people that see them everywhere. Nice. <laughs> so so I tend to be the last person the I tend to see the beautiful thing and everything. So I use yeah. the word luck sometimes, it just comes out of my mouth and I don't mean it. That's why I corrected myself. I know yeah. what you're saying. I understand, but I don't think that you're lucky if you took chances. Right. Because most right. people don't take the chance. If you recognize right. an opportunity and you said, you know what, I'll go for it. And somehow you got rewarded at the end. You can't call that luck because you went for it. Yeah. So check it out. Like I've been living in Brooklyn for yeah. 
a lot of years now. Um, I got to this, the neighborhood I live in, it's called Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Okay. And it's, it's become really hip, like really, it's blown up crazy. You know, when I got here, it was already start. It was like artists were living here and it was like a definitely a cool hip neighborhood, but it was a lot of, my building was sort of a, there were some artist studios and there was wood shops and then there was just like a bakery and it was a lot of empty space. I, li- I, li- I live in a warehouse right now, nice. uh, a converted warehouse. And at the time it was just like half empty warehouse essentially. And then there was people living in here that were illegally kind of like artists living and stuff like that. And, you know, to abbreviate a long story, essentially what I did is I got this massive lease on the entire floor. Um, which is like 6,000 square feet. We like, there was a kind of a, a few spaces already built out and I built them out more into apartments and I was renting them out and I was doing this whole thing. And every year the neighborhood just starts getting crazier and crazier. More people are coming in money and fancier restaurants and money and like wealthier people and nicer things and hotels and all every year exponentially it's like whoa what's happening with our neighborhood you know like so many neighborhoods in the world we've seen this happen all over the place and i'm sitting on this plate this incredibly giant um kind of real estate thing and it's just a lease but i signed a 10-year lease and then these guys came and bought my building for a gajillion dollars this is a huge like block and they developed the building and Essentially, I had this critical piece of the puzzle of their blueprint of how they were going to develop into fancy condos. And uh, I, again, a long story short, I went to, I got a lawyer, we did a whole thing, uh, reached out a settlement after a couple of years in court. And now I have this incredible loft here that uh, is about 1500 square feet. I have my own private roof deck in the corner of this building and they ended up developing the building around me. And I have this incredible, at a low rent, it's rent stabilized for life and I can give it to my kids. And, you know, I had this incredible situation here in New York. And I think it's a really good example of like, it's luck. Yeah, there's like, you know, I'm lucky that all this, that the neighborhood turned into this, but also like I took a huge chance. I didn't have any really money and I took out a 10 year lease on 6,000 square feet. That was not that cheap at the time. You know, I didn't have all that money. What if, what if nobody moved in? Like I still would have to figure out a way to pay that rent. I think it's like, it's a good example of like, you never know what's going to happen, but you go with your gut. Like my gut was like, Oh, I want to get some huge loft space and build it out. That's going to be a cool thing to do. And then in the end I have this super dope apartment and uh, you know, there's obviously was bumps along the road, but I think it's a good example of, you know, luck versus luck in kind of collaboration with taking risks. That's no. why it's hard. It's hard for me to call it luck. Yeah. It's, it's reward. Yeah. You, got, you put yourself out there and the universe listened. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the way I see it. You're, yeah. Good for you, though. Good on you for doing that, because it takes uh, you have to be courageous to take the risk, because as you said, you could uh, if you can't pay for it, then, you know, you have to have people. But that's um that's also something that motivates you when you know you can't pay for it you really need to find people you'll yeah. work harder to get that too right yeah it's true good it's on so you sick. man good on yeah. you it's, it's cool. uh i think we've been going for like 40 minutes well how long is that a good amount uh 
I'll be honest with you. I've done podcasts that are 20 minutes. I've done podcasts that were two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but this one I only do for my Instagram account. Like I just posted there. Okay. Cool. I just, I like vegans to see other vegans that they might not know. And everybody awesome. starts talking to each other. And I, I, the plan is to actually do uh, communicate like I, the people that I get along with that the conversation goes well, I want to have them back, but maybe have live and talk to other people, other vegan that I spoke to. It's just, Oh, that's it, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I realized that we, there's a lot of cool vegans out there that are doing a lot of different things. They're not just in fitness, right? There's vegans everywhere now. Yeah. Absolutely. I just, I just want to bring them together and I like to talk to people. So, yeah. So cool. Yeah. I did a podcast for a little while. I had, I have like maybe 12 or 13 episodes out for a minute. I was talking to other musicians and yeah. just trying to get the word out that, you know, there is different music. There's musicians that are doing it in their own different way, but that they're living in a healthy way. It's called the Torganic podcast. Um, oh, which yeah. is my username on Instagram, Torganic, yeah. you know, I, like you know it's all these different super cool people that in their own way have found a way to just like me live on the road and be healthy and still live their dreams out but not destroy their body while they're doing it you know why'd you stop good question well i <laughs> i interviewed i interviewed some like i actually put a list of like my top people that I was trying to like some real goals. And I interviewed Sonny Rollins. I don't know if you listen to jazz at all. No, I don't. Sonny Rollins is like one of the most epic Titans of jazz of all time. Like legend, legend of legends. You know what I mean? And I somehow through just persistence and sheer will, I, I, I think I just reached out. Someone told me who his manager was, or I can't remember exactly, but I reached out to his manager and she pitched it to him and he, he like doesn't give interviews barely ever. I think he did a New York times in the last couple of years, but beyond that, like he barely ever does interviews and he was like, sure, I'll do it. And, um, I interviewed Sonny Rollins and we talked for like an hour or something. And it was so unbelievable for me. I was like, it was, it was an amazing experience to just talk to a human on that level that I, I just, I revered so much. And I know so many other people that I play with throughout my whole life, revere and respect him so much. It was really an amazing experience. And I don't know, after that, I was kind of like, whoa, I did it. Where do you go from there? I don't know. And also you might know, and I think technology's changed, but I was editing the podcast. I was doing it all myself and it just took a lot of time, man. Oh yeah. It took a lot of time and and I've got two kids, I, my music, I just have to pick and choose to some degree. Um, I feel like minutes are pretty precious in the day and I'm trying to use everyone in the, in the way that the best way that I can in terms of uh, what I'm working on in that particular time. So I kind of let the podcast go by the wayside and I sort of think I want to do a podcast again, but something different than that. It is know. time consuming. Most people don't, uh, this one is easy for me. Like the, the one I keep on my Instagram, I barely edit it. I don't, awesome. I don't do much. I'll, I'll fix the noise, but I like the fact that it's not, it doesn't sound like a studio. I like yeah. that. Like I don't like podcasts that sound sterile. I like podcasts that I've done podcasts in restaurants. I've done podcasts in parks. I have all my gear. That's uh, I can bring it with me. Cause I run four different podcasts. So wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm. It's my calling. It's what I do. But it's it's. I there's a reason why I've been in sales for twelve years. 
to bring me to be that good, to be that comfortable, should I say, in front of uh, of a microphone and to speak people because you and I don't know each other. Right, that's for but sure. That, but that's my job. Like I do yeah. that for a job. I find customers we don't know and I try to sell them stuff. That's cool. Yeah, well, it's a skill. You're good at the guitar. I'm good at doing that. <laughs> but really, it's like connecting with people. It's all under the umbrella of connecting with people. It's my favorite thing to do, man. I think life is about three things. Experiences, how much you've loved, and the people you met. Those are the three things, in my opinion. And I'm a big f- experiences to this day. There's nothing much I haven't done that I didn't want to do. I did it all. When something yeah. comes up to mind, I just fucking do it. Yeah. And loving, well, I'll love for the rest of my life. And people, I get to meet people like you. There's no, if it wasn't for that podcast, I would have never spoken to you. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives me a reason. It doesn't sound, see, it, it sounds a lot better to tell people, hey, I have a podcast. Do you want to be on it? Then just, hey, I feel like talking to you. You want to uh, just connect on Zoom? I never <laughs> thought about it that way, but it's a lot less creepy. Yeah. It's true. It's true. People are a little bit more inclined to do it. Yeah, it's a less yeah, that dirty Frenchman. What does that dirty Frenchman want from me? What a creepy. The um I always I always ask the same question, whatever the podcast I'm doing before I finish. It's yeah. uh, yeah. If you uh if you had the chance to speak to your 14-year-old self, what would you tell him? Hmm. yeah i guess this is a personal question in terms of not just like a 14 year old that's in high school now or something like my own self i would probably say um stay focused for the next 10 years keep your focus together i feel like I was going through a lot at that time in my life. My mom passed away when I was 20. And for the last 10 years, from when I was maybe 10 to 20, 8 to 20, she was battling cancer. And I got a little wild and my life got a little crazy. And I think I, I veered off a little bit on, in some certain ways. And um, it's hard to say, but I kind of like looking back, like that's all part of the path that brought me to here. So I can't really say that I would change anything or even want to change anything. It's like, yeah, I wish maybe I was more focused at those times in my life at that time in my life. But I guess that's all part of the path in, in terms of making me who I am today. So it's, it's really a difficult um, thing, but I would say appreciate, just, just take a moment, just stop, just chill out for a minute, slow down like appreciate this. Like if I had known that my mom was going to be gone so soon in the blink of an eye, uh, I certainly, I would have, that would have been, you know, it would have been great. <laughs> like it would have been really critical information for me to kind of slow down and maybe just appreciate those moments with her. I never got to really interact with her as an adult, you know, and like, I miss that. And like things like that, that I guess that's certainly looking back, if I could have just been like, slow down, appreciate, appreciate your family, learn about people, really take the time to just slow down. I think I was just like, for, for those years, I was just sort of on autopilot, like many kids are, you know, like at that age, it's just like, I know what's right. I know what I'm going to do. And I'm just doing it. You know what I mean? And 
Um, I would have, it would have been nice if I came back as a, my age now and said, hey man, chill out. Just like, just take, take a deep breath, appreciate every moment, appreciate these days, appreciate your mom, appreciate your family. You know, not that I was uh, a bad or unappreciative kid, but you know, just sort of that, that, that essence, I think. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. It makes a hundred percent sense to me. I, my, I know what you're saying. There's things I wish I would have said to my dad as a grown man yeah. before he died. So I fully understand. I, I see where you're coming from. That's powerful stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like after uh, my mom passed away and like, I don't know, it was a matter of days or months or whatever. I just, I woke up out of a fog a little bit and I was like, whoa, yeah. it was a massive turning point in my life. Um, and I didn't even necessarily realize it at that moment, but it's just like, I can look at my life as before and after, you know what I mean? Good on you, man. You, uh, I'm very, very happy. I reached out to you. You're, uh, very happy. You decided to say yes to this. It's, um, it's one of the best answers I've ever gotten. I've, I've asked the question about 80 times now and it's good on you. Cause I, I think I can relate to what you're saying. So I'm biased, but I can relate to what you're saying. Very, uh, I know. you're very, you have a good soul, brother. You give a good, very good, soul. good on you. I want to just say, uh, I'm so grateful that you reached out to me, man. And, and I'm so glad to have connected with you as well. This is, this is awesome. Man, it's it's been the pleasure on it's all on this side of the table, man. I cool. Very very happy. Thank you again for doing this. It's uh, very very appreciated. I'm very grateful. Me too. And then let's let's stay in touch. Let's like you said. Let's maybe do this again in a different form or whatever. I definitely want to stay up and. and I always do. I always stay in touch with the people that uh, uh, you have somewhat of a connection with. When the, the the conversation is too easy, for sure that we'll figure something out. We'll definitely figure something out. But thanks yeah, come, again for come to New York and say hi. You, you know what? There's so one of my uh, one of the things I want to do is uh, go on my bike and just and I say motorcycle. I'm not talking about a bike bike. Talking oh. with something with an engine. Oh. But uh, there's a bunch of people I spoke to in the U.S. and I have some friends down there too. And I'd love to just. I did four thousand kilometers, which is oh, wow. what, about twenty five hundred miles in a span of about eighteen days. Not too long ago, I just went exploring. Wow. And I'd love to do the same, but I'd love to go for a year or two on my bike and just stop when I'm sick of it. And there's yeah. a take the take the podcast on the road. Cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But for sure, if I'm in New York, I'll uh, I'll check you out. I'll I'll check you up. Check you out. That's not the yeah. same. Hit me up. <laughs> That's me the up. French. Maybe I can see you play, man. That would be a blast. Totally. Maybe I can, I can go to one of your shows. For sure. Thanks again, man. It's, uh, I've had a blast. Thank you very much for doing this. Me too, brother. We'll stay up. Absolutely, man. Peace, my man.